Welcome to Fandom Femmes. We are two queer femme nerds of color that use humor and fun to take your favorite convention's diversity panel and turn it into a year-round conversation. I'm Justine. And I'm Noelle. And welcome to our episode eight. Woo! How have you been, Noelle? I've been okay. It's been like those kind of weeks where you're like, what day is it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's been a bit of a blur, but I've, I'm doing all right. Definitely need to get groceries because your girl has been getting uh, Jack in the Box. So <laughs> I it's a struggle, but we out here trying to eat well. I mean, for Christmas, I got an air fryer and a pressure cooker. Let's go. Okay. So um, I would like to use them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Yeah. My um, my mom like won like a giveaway at her work or something, and we also have a, an air fryer now. And we've been trying like all these recipes in it. There's like – Air fryer chicken wings, hot dog and bologna. I was about to say, <laughs> I was like, chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. We actually did make chicken wings, but after I said it, I didn't stop. I just had to say the rest of the song. <laughs> that was really good. Sorry. Amazing. But yeah, congrats on the air fryer. Um, my favorite thing to make in the air fryer is uh French fries, specifically like the um like the frozen French fries, like we put it in, and then it's just really, really good. Yeah. Um Excite. So, yeah, I think as far as like updates for me, like why biggest life update is that like I'm just going through grad school applications. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh in addition to that been pretty much like the same i'm kind of at that point right now where the apps are submitted everything's done and you just have to wait and that's the worst part honestly because i'm just like uh let me know if you accepted me or like let me know whether or not you're giving me money so i can move on with my life <laughs> please just hurry up and tell me oh yeah so but yeah fingers crossed for like all the best and yeah in the I, i've been re-watching like a bunch of my old favorite shows and just chilling and it's just felt really good and yeah <laughs> and yeah i'm glad babe. i'm also very proud of you for you know getting through those apps because though that shit is no joke um, yeah i really I'm, appreciate you <laughs> yeah of course. I, I'm like, y'all – I okay, so for me, I was always like when I was done with school, I remember in high school, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll go get my master's. And then after – if you're not in college or like you ha haven't been through college yet, um, for me, I went to art college. <laughs> and that shit is like after you're done with that, you're like, I go to school no more. <laughs> I don't give a shit. This is stupid. <laughs> Well, not everyone's education is stupid, but I'm just saying, like I say in the podcast a lot, if you are thinking about attending art school, you don't have to. You don't have to go for your master's or? Oh, no, like an undergrad either. I mean, it, oh, depends. I it depends on what you're working on. But like, like, honestly, especially like digital art, if you're going for like, fine art painting and stuff then you do you boo you know 
But like digital art, like especially in our age, like you don't need a degree, period. Um, you're you're fine, baby. You could do it. And that's why like when you you realize you got like scammed by the system, um you you feel real bad and then you don't want to pay for school again. <laughs> no, I totally hear you. And um I think that you know, with like on this topic, like it's important to consider like what's best for you when it comes to education too. Right. Like, you know, is like is a bachelor's degree the way you want to go? Like right. if so, there are routes for that, you know, like yeah. but um if it's not, you know, like we've been conditioned to um, view school as something that is just like a natural part of life or like um, for me when I how I was raised it's it was never it was always an expectation that I would go to college but like I also recognize now that I'm older like it's not it's a way to get to your dream career but it's definitely not the only way so yes see I so, wish yeah. I knew that mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, obviously there are a lot of careers that you know require your degree or it's Mm -hmm. a very good like like opportunity but like in like learning in film that like a lot of people in film are encouraging people not to go to film school I was like I wish I knew that Mm. (laughs) you know like I know a lot of um because I've had people visit my film school and then tell us they're like yeah, if you want to get into film and you're going to college, you should major in business and then just be doing film on the side and yeah. like networking because it's all about who you know and not about what you know. Yeah, and I think that's there's also something that needs to be said about that too because like it should be about, you know, what you know and like who whoever is the most capable of doing said job is the one that gets the job you know but like it's and that's an unfortunate part of the arts as a port, an unfortunate part of like our society how we're so focused on like like you get ahead by you know i'm going to i'm just going to be blind but like how it's expected that you know you need to kiss ass to like get where you need to go rather than letting your work speak for itself. Right. Um, yeah. And that, that just really kind of creates this very um, output based, product based, um, capitalistic based approach to networking. Like I've been in like networking nights where literally everybody's just super shallow. Everyone is like trying to kiss butt to the, um, to the recruiters and everything like that from all these businesses and like everyone has a resume on hand and like there are so many like what you were saying with the alumni who came back and like talked to you like for a person applying to college for the first time if they say oh I want to be a director it'll make sense for them to major in film right like that's 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 what they would apply for yeah and like all these unspoken rules are things that are learned later you know so naturally people with access to that community and access to that privilege are going to get a leg up because they know the unspoken rules you know what i mean yeah yeah wow (laughs) sad i love how we just this is not even the topic of our podcast today you know what? Like it's all it's all okay. relevant. I mean, we're taking our experiences as queer femme nerds of color and tying it into fandom. So right. like 
yeah, when whatever we bring to the table is authentic. And, you know, we, we always tell each other this, but like, I just want, like, it's it's great that we're both kind of just coming as we are today. And I think the yeah. more that the more that we're we're recording, the more that we're doing it, like the more that we do this, it's like the less we give a shit about. I feel yeah, <laughs> and which is which is great because like I mean, we're just out here talking, you know, like yeah. And I feel like y'all who are listening at home really get to hear me and Noelle for like who we are, in addition to the heightened character that we've created around our like super nerdy fangirl characteristics <laughs> for this podcast you get to hear um our multifaceted selves <laughs> yeah but I, i'm gonna be honest in terms of this topic real quick yeah um the school i went to uh, a lot like the majority of the population of the students were white mm-hmm. and um, especially in the film school. Um, mm-hmm. And so what What kind of got me and what really discouraged me um, post-grad, but also kind of towards the end of undergrad, um, is that I, from my professors, from my peers, I've gotten reviews of my work, right? And how good it is or whatever, however they define good. Um, but it was like in terms of getting hired for even like internships, paid internships, even just entry level jobs. Mm-hmm. It was extremely difficult for me um, mm-hmm. as a woman of color, and it it was like in a way where it it was it was especially discouraging because I applied a lot. Like that was my hobby. Was in 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 a way where like it it ended up becoming my hobby because I was always just looking to. Like, how can I pay for school or like, how will I be able to, you know, start, kick off my career? Um, but I really just never could because it, I felt like I was just applying and I would never get there. I'd never get to the hiring stage. And also the people that were always hiring me were um, white men. And so, or like the people that were, you know, I had to be in contact with. Um, and it, it was sad to see like, oh, if people were, uh, other people I knew were applying or have applied and then finding out that they got the job. But mm-hmm. low-key knowing that I, like, I'm a bit more qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that I, – I don't know. I don't really want to be, like, a victim. But it just – in my experience, it's just happened so many times mm-hmm. that I I can't help but think, is it because I'm brown? Is it because – like I'm not a white like like even white females have like gotten gotten it and like not me and and a lot of people are always telling me like oh you should have oh you should have won this oh you should have and I'm like yeah I should have right but it just doesn't that's not how the cookie crumbles unfortunately and mm-hmm. um now I feel like I resonate with a lot of POC that like um where it's just like you have the talent and you have the work ethic, but it's it's not enough sometimes. Yeah. And, and that's really fucking sad. And like it's, that's like something for me that I had to like work through in the form of depression <laughs> post-grad. So like mm. it's it's like, you know, it makes you feel like you're not enough. It makes it feel like like what's wrong with me? Like that I can't get hired like 
like you do all the resume tricks, you do all of the practice. Like I honestly, I think I'm fucking bomb at interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like no one wants to take a chance on me, and that's why like it's hard because um, my dad, the way he talks to me in the position that I'm in now, that I'm at my company, is like you need. He keeps telling me you need to value yourself more. You need to ask for this, but I'm not used to that. I'm just happy I got accepted. You know, right. like that that I was chosen or that I like. So it 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 like it devalues like. Um, the POC workforce, you know, especially in terms of art and talent or any, anything, you know, it's just like, um, it makes us think like, oh, we're like desperate to like, even just like anybody that says yes to us, you know, like, like, like we're able to like, oh, okay. Like now there's some form of security because we're out here POC, like, you know, working three different part-time jobs in order to make ends meet to pay for that fucking debt from the school you went to, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's just like, but okay, so for me, when I went to school, I paid for school myself because um, mm-hmm. I came from a lower middle class family, um, had loans. I have loans. I got e- even with grants, scholarships, I still had to pay out of pocket per semester. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of my white peers um, had their school paid for them. Mm-hmm. So coming out of college, they have no debt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they have not really a worry of like having to pay for an apartment or anything else, food, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And they have like the ease of mind to set all of their focus on applications, on whatever mm-hmm. it is, on the networking, etc. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't even know where I ended up going with this. I just ended up ranting because this is how I feel about um, <laughs> by POCs, especially – um, even just women too um, in the workforce and what we're forced to have to deal with in terms of yeah. just how our society sadly is. Yeah. And like you just touched on a lot of really important things there, like with your your classmates, for example, like in addition to having those financial resources, like chances are they've had like they were able to navigate college a little bit better because they had people in their immediate family or in their communities who have done that before. Yeah. So whereas people, you know, entering college for the first time, like in my case, my parents have their college degrees, but they got it in another country. So right. I like it's not the same like at all, you mm-hmm. know, Um there's so there's like those disparities as well. And also like something I also wanted to bring up in the same vein as your conversation with like media in particular was that people are so ready to be like, oh, well, do you, you want to see more representation? Make your own show. Or like you want to see, um, you know, like more like women centric like content, make your own production company. And I think um, there's a lot of truth to that. But also that's a huge cop out. Do you know how hard it is to start a company? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, exactly. Like, oh, just do it yourself. And I'm like, exactly. All right, fam, you really out here thinking this is easy. Um, yeah. But maybe it's easy with your resources. Exactly. And plus, like, if you and like hell, like a startup production company or whatever is going to have the same clout as these white male dominated production companies, like, I don't know, like freaking Universal or like other or like uh, these other like major, major like corporations who not only have 
um who not only like pay like have like access to more resources but also have that like reputation of like being like a reputable company and like that whole establishing yourself like as a reputable source and like um a full-fledged like entity mm-hmm. is hard and it takes time and yeah i just get really frustrated when people say that like just oh, do it well, yourself like yeah like oh if you want to see like more um strong female characters write your own i'm like and and this is another gripe that i have too like not only because this not only applies with media but also with like community organizing like it shouldn't always be on the people bringing up the problem to come up with, with a solution you know and like i think our goal um kind of tying it back to our podcast too um our goal with fandom femmes or the way that I envision fandom femmes is not necessarily to like, we are going to be the sole entity changing the landscape of like, um, like API queer femme representation in like podcasting. Like our goal isn't necessarily to be the only voices that do that, but to add to the number of voices that are already doing that, you know, saturating the media with more perspectives that are like ours. Um, And And yeah, like, and also in saying our concerns and talking about how we feel and how we've navigated the world, we are also putting the call out to the community to say like, you know, hey, this is how we feel. And if other people resonate, if they have the resources, if they have the talent, they can create the content. um, And we're just contributing to that conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like, this is actually, even though we did go on a tangent, this is actually super, 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 super in line with um, our topic for today, which is we are going to be talking about the baddest bitches of Avatar The Last Airbender. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, women in this series who have overcome struggle and hardships. Exactly. Um, who have held their own and deserve better, honestly. <laughs> True. Yes. Um, I was actually thinking of that segue too. (laughs) Because I was like, we talk about struggles and overcoming them. And I'm like, and that's what, that's a bad bitch, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. But before we segue into our segment, we also wanted to talk to y'all really quickly about a really cool um, event that we have going on. Um, So on Wednesday, January 27th, from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we will be going live on our Instagram to do a super fun. Pictionary challenge. Woo! <laughs> um, a lot of we did that in the same tone. I'm dead. <laughs> but but yeah, like we um we're going to take be taking uh like suggestions and stuff of things to draw um from our from y'all. And um we will basically take turns drawing and guessing what the other person draws um and also like talking with y'all and engaging with y'all um we definitely one of our um new year's resolutions for this podcast was to um increase interaction with our community so we're hoping that this event will um have you kind of see us in a like actually see us visually (laughs) as we're talking to each other and also give you the opportunity to engage with us as well so um wednesday january 27th 7 to 8 p.m I will um, be posting more details on our IG by the time this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on to the baddest bitches of Atla. That's how. <laughs> um, 
So, what is a bad bitch? Let's I don't know. There. You tell me, Noelle. All right, <laughs> a bad bitch. Okay, so honestly, um, I don't know why I'm going back to this, but I, I remember back in like high school. I, I when I didn't cuss, I actually still didn't cuss until like my sophomore year in college because I was an angel, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a succubus. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, that's another story for another time. <laughs> but um, I <laughs> when I did end up cussing again i i felt like a lot of um like empowerment um i i actually began cussing because i ended up in the vogue scene in germany um where it was like encouraged and a lot of the cuss words were actually um terms of endearment and also encouragement um so (laughs) content warning uh cuss words okay i i mean whatever so the words like bitch uh cunt pussy etc were all like like yes show me that cunt you know like like show me how you pussy you know like pussy i said pussy (laughs) pussy um but yeah like show show me like you know like um, yeah roll that pussy up like you know, like, so it, it was, like, um, flaunt that pussy. You know, like, it, it was just, it was, like, a new kind of, like, a liberation with, like, my sexuality and my gender and, like, um, embracing my womanhood. <laughs> and so I, I feel like in terms of that, that's a lot of where, like, this, I guess, mainstream pop culture borrows from lgbtqia like culture is like i mean people say yas queen people say you know like like oh you a bad bitch like all of that type of reclaiming vocabulary comes from the ballroom scene comes from the drag scene you know and a lot of people don't actually realize that that's where like these terms come from um Mm -hmm. but we out here um Helping you out if you don't already know. <laughs> yeah. But hey. yeah, go ahead, baby. Oh, yeah. And also just kind of being um, – I also wanted to um, bring awareness to the intersections of those identities as well. Like how um, not only is like like gay culture and gay like vocabulary and slang from the Vogue community uh, – pro- not not so much appropriated, but like utilized in everyday speak. It has been, um, and the the original kind of origins have been lost. Um, it's also you know black queer people, black yes. and brown queer people who have pioneered this language as well. Right. And um, we also want to talk about um, so being cognizant of those histories, but also talking about how a lot of these um, pejorative words like bitch can be reclaimed and everything. Um, and they can be reclaimed by the people in those communities because typically the word bitch is like a, a pejorative or like a derogatory term against like femmes. Um, yes. But people have uh, reclaimed it to mean an empowering term because they're a part of that community and they can do that. Right. Um, we also want to recognize that 
this word just because it has been reclaimed uh there are people who in the community who don't like it and like that's okay too um yeah so we just wanted to kind of like point that out and bring attention to that but as we're kind of talking about the bad bitches in avatar (laughs) how um how does bad bitchness manifest in the (laughs) i'm trying to say academic here but like how does this like bad how do we see this um bad bad bitchery bad bitchery i like that this bad bitchery take place in like these characters i just love how we in, in any episode we always end up coining some kind of term bitchery. Like, the bad bitchery of like i feel like we get like oh is this an essay like, <laughs> we're gonna have like an urban dictionary just for random fans <laughs> with our own little lingo it's gonna be great oh and um also when we're talking about the the context of the baddest bitches in atla we i also wanted to make note that we are not we don't mean to say like oh like this person is like better this character is like better than the other ones for xyz reason we're just trying to uplift all the bad bitches in the series and not like pit women against each other or anything like that we're just uplifting the the ones that we resonate with and everything so yeah right Uh, how have we seen bad bitchery manifest in avatar noelle i'm so dead okay so bad bitchery also when we say bad the adjective bad is not necessarily we're not talking bad like mal like i don't know why i just translated it into spanish but um just like oh disgusting or or the opposite of good we're talking about michael jackson bad like (laughs) like oh that's bad like Oh, like, I don't know. I don't know why, but like in the definition, there has to be ooh, like, <laughs> like, ooh, like, damn, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> ooh is like an accent that indicates like positive connotation. Yes. Yeah. Precisely. So it's like, it's bad, but it means good. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Exactly. exactly. The paradox of Michael Jackson's bad. Anyway, the paradox um, is bad. <laughs> but yeah, it being like, and normally in terms of that type of quote unquote bad is like, ooh, being like, ooh, that's hot, or like that's, or that's like, like a bit like edgy slash aggressive. But that's not exactly what we mean in terms of the baddest. <laughs> the baddest. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're coming at the sorry. We're not. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, not sorry. Sorry. I need to stop saying sorry. Bitch. Noelle. Bitch. <laughs> stop. Anywho. Um, we're talking more about uh basically what we were talking about as our own in our own anecdotes in the beginning of this podcast, which is actually we're trying to say that we're bad bitches. <laughs> We're not even trying to say it, period. We're, We're bad bitches. We that. are claiming, we are not claiming, just kidding. We are stating the facts. Mm-hmm. We are bad bitches. And um, basically, I guess how we're claiming this word is that it's it's how we're, um, how femmes are able to, femmes that are able to basically overcome oppression, discrimination, prejudice, um, any type of struggles, financial, 
like anything that's pit against them, uh, aka basically everything as a femme, <laughs> like, and also everything as like a bi POC, you know, like is is being able to overcome and celebrate yourself. Yes, and 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 continue to to grow yourself and just um, find the courage to be yourself and be who you are in your yeah. body, in your skin. Exactly. And I, you, you totally inadvertently embodied our values of being you and being free in what you just <laughs> said. So yeah, we yeah, out like, here. We out here. Yes. Like we're embodying the fandom femmes brand. It's not just a brand, it's a life, but yeah, so like let's just dive into it. So like one person that I was actually doing a, like a little bit of brushing up um, before this uh, filming this episode, but the first bad book of Ala that I want to uplift is freaking Suki of the Kyoto Warriors. Exactly. She not only is the leader in charge of training the new recruits of the Kyoshi Warriors, um, leading them to, uh, like, coordinating their battles and everything like that. Not only um, is she resilient, not only did she freaking go undercover in a prison to to save Sokka's dad, like, not only does she master, like, all these martial arts skills, I think, like, one of the most iconic or memorable lines of of avatars like in the first episode where we meet her where um like people are kind of you know there's this whole point where Sokka's talking to her about um how she didn't he didn't want to see her her to be seen as like just a girl but also like a warrior too and then she says like well I am a warrior and then she kisses him and she's like but I'm a girl too so I think like in that in that moment, and I wish we got more context, but I will get back to that later. Um, in that moment, kind of, I think that was an important marker for me because I feel like when we see a lot of these like femme fatale, like bad, quote unquote, bad bitch characters in media, it's very much like, oh, this person is really good at fighting or this person is just like really good at like blowing shit up and like <laughs> and stuff like that. But then we don't know who they are. There's there there's nothing beyond that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's simply they're they're a bad bitch because they can fight really well. But who are they as people? Right. You know? And like it's really easy for people to say like, oh yeah, this is a feminist character. This is a feminist piece of content simply because we have a woman doing unconventional things outside of the woman gender norms. Right. So what I will say about Suki, I love her. I adore her. She's amazing. She's very accomplished in the world of Atla. I really wish that they would have given her like more of a backstory because all that we know about her is that she started being a Kyoshi warrior when she was like really young, like when she was eight years old. And right. then she rose in the ranks and became like – and she rose in the ranks and essentially became the equivalent of like Okoye in Black Panther where she went from – leading the Kyoshi Warriors to leading the Kyoshi Warriors as a part of the of Fire Lord Zuko's like guard and stuff. Right. But who was she before all that? Who is she when she's not a Kyoshi warrior? You know? Yeah. Um so that's what I, I wish more for um Suki. 
But what was cool is that when she was traveling with the Avatar and like with Sokka and stuff, like we did get to see her outside of her uniform, you know, and right, yeah. get to see her like interact. I mean, we had their little teenage like rendezvous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was cool because it was like, like, you know, like exactly what you said, you know, I'm a warrior, but I'm a girl too. So like, yeah. you know, she's a warrior. Like she has all of this knowledge, all of this technique in, in the martial arts that she studies, but she still has, you know, a heart, you know, yeah. she's, still, she's still a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I feel like Atla does a really great job of that is like reminding us that like, oh shit. Yeah. These these characters are kids like uh-huh. <laughs> like they still have the tendencies and like the the desires to like be children to be teenagers you know like and they can't help that you know mm-hmm. but despite all of that they still are faced with so much responsibility and yeah. like um of i don't know you know saving the world <laughs> yeah, restoring balance restoring to balance to the fucking universe so um, honestly, yeah, Suki, she's like, I remember seeing a TikTok where it's like, oh, if you had a crush on these characters growing up, you're gay now. <laughs> I remember I did like a blind react duet to one of them. And when Suki came up, I was like, Ooh! <laughs> I was like I guess it was like, what was it? You had to lip sync to like um, a Nicki Minaj song. Yes. Yeah, and then I remember I, as soon as she came up, when I started lip syncing, my eyes got so big, and I was like, like lip syncing to the depths <laughs> of hell. Like, I, um, but yeah, honestly, um, I would say I have a huge crush on Suki because, like you said, like I admire the shit out of her. Like, mm-hmm. like that was one of my faves, especially before this next character I'm about to talk about comes mm-hmm. up, um, because it was she. I grew up that way too. I grew up in a way where it was like I didn't really want to be seen as like a girl. Like, and before when I, I've talked about my childhood um, in past episodes, but basically I was like a tomboy and like, like I didn't want people to mess with me just because I was a girl, you know, mm-hmm. which is why I was like tough or like I was quote unquote violent according to some <laughs> boys, whatever. But. <laughs> But it was like I just didn't want anyone pushing me around just because I was a female, you know, just because of my genitals, you know, just because I have things that that the boys don't have, you know, like like I don't care. I'm a human, you know, like you can't treat me that way just because I have long hair, mm-hmm. you know, like um, and that's what I loved about Suki was like. Like, especially when Sokka was coming up in here with that attitude, like, no, men are warriors are men. And it's just mm-hmm. like, nah, fool, let me show you. And she had it, she, like, it was backed up. Like, I love, like, when people are not talking, like, like, you can just explain from your actions just straight up. Like, yeah. she has the technique. She, like, like, flipped him on his ass, you mm-hmm. know? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like, you don't have to say anything. Just a bad bitch just being you, you know? Mm-hmm. Just, just doing her her dailies you know like on the daily just a bad bitch like don't mm-hmm. even have to say shit yeah you know uh, and i love that so it's just like um but what i also love is her humility and um like she she still has pride for her culture and mm-hmm. for her art form you know but at the same time like she has that willingness and openness to like still accept Sokka in a way where like like yeah okay you like so I feel like there's some people that like 
like stick to that ideal too much to the point where like they're just so close-minded in the sense that like oh she could have just turned like she could have just refused Sokka you know like she could have just like even though he did quote-unquote learn his lesson um and you know he he was like um he like what's it called he threw away his pride and like wanted to learn from them right and so like she could have just still been like like okay like cocky in a sense yeah instead of being like you know i appreciate you for turning around and you know like recognizing us the kiyoshi warriors and us as women that are baddest bitches (laughs) you know but i feel like there are some people out there that like still like would would kind of like hold it against him and like not be like like welcoming with open arms so I'm it it was cool seeing that because I feel like growing up I was kind of like that like as a kid like a little kid because it was like like, oh no you thought that about girls like like in my head like they still did even if I proved them wrong because I guess to me it felt like like even if I alone proved them wrong they're still gonna think that about other women Mm -hmm. you know but luckily Sokka's an ally so (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I, I I liked that about Suki, like in terms of like the duality, especially because it's like like yeah, I'm, I could fight, I could do this, I'm capable, I'm independent, but I'm also still a femme, you know. I still have, you know, the desire to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So what was the who's the next person that you were gonna talk about? You kind of alluded oh. to it. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, so before. <laughs> So Suki was an amazing example of that. And this was before we're introduced to Toph. Mm. Um, Toph Beifong. Oh, my God. The baddest bitch. I was kidding. No, everyone's a bad bitch. But I I really resonated with her because, I mean, she was super big on, like, I mean, one, um, if you don't know, if you haven't watched Atla, um, Toph is blind and she's an earthbender, which is so fucking cool because – I mean, she she walks around with no shoes because she um, basically is able to see with her feet based on the vibrations in the earth. Um, and so, uh, which is also really cool because she was taught by the badger moles who are like the original earthbenders and they're also blind, which mm-hmm. is super fucking cool. I don't know. that Like even just that like backstory is super fucking cool. But um, she's always known as, you know, like so she's like in a rich family um but they're she's always pampered and stuff because she's blind and so people always think she's weak and think that she can't like hold her own but she ended up getting lost and like seeing um and um meeting the badger moles who taught her how to basically see with her feet and Mm -hmm. um through earthbending and so she had like this um not alter ego but she had like this other identity uh I'm forgetting the blind bandit. Yeah, there you go. The blind bandit. And she would fight in like the underground earth bending rings. Mm-hmm. And she was the best. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just um like I said, like with Suki, like she doesn't have to say anything. She's had like just from watching her, just from experiencing her earth bending, you know she's the best. Mm. And which is why, like, Aang is like, I need her to be my teacher. 
Like, yeah. period. Like, this is it. Like, I need this, <laughs> you know? And what was, like, aside from her, like, origin story, like, her personality, she's, like, rough around the edges, you know? She's not really in touch with her feminine side. Mm-hmm. Um, she is younger than them, right? She's, like, a yeah. year young. Like, she's, like, the youngest out of them. Yeah. But she's the way she dresses is more um, – it's less feminine. Uh, she is, like – She's sarcastic. She's witty. She's independent. She's stubborn in a way where, like, she believes, like, her way is normally the best way. (laughs) But other than that, it's – I don't know. I just think that, um, like, that's why I resonated with her. It was because that's how I was growing up. I was like, yeah, I'm tough. And (laughs) and I I rejected the ways of femme, like – um, and that's kind of what I got from her. Um, but that later on, it was it the Tales of Bossing Say, right? The episode. Yeah. Where um, Katara decides to like, like, oh, let's have a girl's day out. Yeah. And that was so something so foreign to Toph in the sense that where it was like embracing her femininity and um, indulging in it and like you know getting a foot scrub getting her makeup (laughs) done getting her hair done and though she can't see what she looks like I mean that that's another thing reason why she didn't care what she looked like is because she was blind right Mm -hmm. so um but it like doing these things with Katara like she felt a certain way you know like that she felt like proud to be like a woman though she did get made fun of (laughs) and that was like the conflict in that short story was that like like these other rich girls were making fun of her and how she looked but they threw them in the river you know (laughs) (laughs) um and what was great was that she had katara as like a support like to to let her know like you're beautiful Mm -hmm. you know and that's what we love to see is like women uplifting women you know yeah And, and like being like like don't give a fuck like I think you're beautiful. I think you should think you're beautiful too, you know? Yeah. And I feel like because of that support, like, Toph was like, you know what? Like, I am pretty, you know? Mm-hmm. And despite, like, the rejection of, of like, you know, something that is so normative for the femme gender is, like, caring about how you look, I feel like um, that was, like, even though she didn't really care about that, it was, like, it was cool to see that other side to her that like, hey, you know, still as like a female, like she could still tap into that, mm. I guess. Even if like literally the Tales of Bossing Say is like way later, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like so it's like that's what also another thing I love about Atla is like the character development, right? So like yeah. it's like she's – we were introduced to her and she's like a rock basically. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. she's like – I don't care. I'm a rock. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we see her basically like, especially with the avatar team, team avatar is like, like seeing her become more vulnerable, you know? Yeah. um, That was cool for me as a kid, because I was, I always thought that if I'm going to be tough, like I can't be vulnerable, Mm. you know? And so that's why, like, I mean, in terms of Toph being able to overcome, she overcomes, blindness in a way where like she's she's able to still 
like live her best life, you know. Mm-hmm. And aside from being blind, it was also um, the perception of her family, like how they perceived her being blind, you know, mm-hmm. like having to overcome that. And also she has familial trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. So overcoming that and um, – I don't know. I just period. Yeah, I that think there's bitch. there's definitely a <laughs> there's definitely a lot there. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I think it's it's important to note that like, um, even though like blindness is like, and, and what what I think what I took away from Toph's story is that like blindness isn't something to overcome. It's right. um, a disability it can be like a part of somebody's lived experiences, but it's not it shouldn't be the only thing that defines them, which is what we see like with the way that her family treats her. They automatically assume like because she doesn't have the ability to see, then she's inept in some way. And they were that's why they were like pampering her and treating her like that. But like um, what Toph had to learn and like what the Badger Moles like taught her was that like it's not a detriment. It's just a part of – it's just a part of your existence. And this is how – and here are – here's a way to navigate – the world like it's not 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 so much like like earthbending for her was a way to um make the world like more accessible and it's not a way to like what i guess what i'm trying to say is that um she um the the way that she navigates the world with earthbending is just a different way of seeing it's not instead of seeing this and this and this but it's like it's just another way to see um and yeah like also what i've seen a lot in like what in what we've seen from depictions of strong female characters is that in order to be considered strong they need to embody male characteristics or um like in, in whether it's like dressing less feminine and like more masculine or like you know participating in um in like like being like soldiers like warriors and things like that they're considered like bad bitches because they because they are strong female characters simply because they're not like other girls and they (laughs) and they they align more with like male characteristics and for me i guess what i challenge with that is like well, why do you have to embody masculinity at all to be a bad bitch? You know what right. I mean? Like, why is how much you embody masculinity or how adjacent you are to masculinity a marker of how bad of a bitch you are? You know, right. and like, um, and that is, and like, that's that's also true. That's that's true. I'm not saying like the people who or like the characters who do align more on the masculine of the spectrum, like, um aren't like bad bitches or strong characters but i think my frustration lies when the when it stops there you know Mm -hmm. um how there's nothing beyond that um which in atla like for the most part there is more to just for the um more what makes them strong female characters um aside from the fact that they just fight really well you know and um i had something else to say about that but um i forget dang it but i do want to talk about um another kind of on that on that topic uh another character that i'll I'll talk briefly about one and then talk more about another one um kind of in that same vein of like embodying like um masculinity or 
just embodying strength, period. Um, another, I, I don't think we can make it a bad bitch avatar episode without talking about Avatar Kiyoshi. Yeah. The baddest bitch of them all. And I say that about everybody, but there is no hierarchy here. Um, but yeah, I just love how, especially in that episode, um, I, I think this is just like, or I guess for some context, like Avatar Kiyoshi was the um, earthbending avatar who came before Avatar Roku um, and then Aang came after that. Um, it, she first comes up in like the Kyoshi Island episode where um, like a- like Aang returns there or returns to Kyoshi Island and like there's this accusation that like the avatar caused the death of like um, of this like leader like Admiral Chang I think that's what his name is but um, and Aang essentially like has to stand trial for her um, but Kyoshi's like embodiment of um, or when Kiyoshi kind of like comes back to essentially like speak for herself through Aang, she confesses that she took the action that she did, which resulted in like ending the life of someone who was harassing her people for the the protection of the people that she loved, essentially. And um, one of the quotes that's like bouncing around uh, social media now, especially with the um, the return of Avatar, is her quote: "Only justice can bring peace." And I've definitely seen this um, marker a lot, um, or this this quote a lot, especially in a lot of the um, uh, social actions that I've seen. Like a lot of the the weebs who are showing out to the social justice protests are like carrying Avatar Kiyoshi signs, which is really cool. Um, I think avatar in general like you know has this idea of like balance and everything right and um i really liked kind of kiyoshi's relation or ang's relationship to his past like in kiyoshi because um he eventually learned that in seeing the mistakes or not not mistakes but like in seeing the choices that his last he is not bound to the choices that his past lives have made he's his own person and he can make his own choices and I think, like, Kyoshi, like, really exemplified that. Like, she she stood by her decision because it was the best to, like, what, it was what she felt was the right thing to do to, like, protect her people. And, yeah, she's also <laughs> she's also a lesbian in the books. So yeah. I definitely want to read the Kyoshi stuff because of the lesbian paraphernalia. <laughs> um, paraphernalia! Exactly. Uh, yeah, and... um kind of deep like on the opposite end of that i also kind of want to talk about uh tai lee um we talked a lot about you know people who defy like gender norms as a way to exemplify their strength but i think tai lee is like almost the opposite um if anything like tai lee is one of the more hyper feminine characters like in atla Mm -hmm. and um not only does she possess this amazing like martial arts prowess like of chi blocking we get a little bit of a window into her story um as you know her her like internal problems like as a teenager and like not feeling like or or almost wanting to stand out you know not wanting to be considered like someone as like a part of a set you know but mm-hmm. someone but like her own person with her own wants and desires and um she made that choice on her own to leave and join the circus and stood by it and um used use uses a lot of the, the lessons she's learned and the techniques she's learned um, from her various experiences to fuel the way she fights. 
and a part of what makes her like such a hard opponent to beat is because of how versatile she is and because of her intelligence and yeah Yeah. and like her ability to pull her circus experience and make it and weave it into her fighting style because it's something that you know her opponents hadn't really seen before Mm -hmm. you know yeah she's literally like the like she ended up being like a pioneer yeah of that that style in in that universe which is really cool because you see it again in Korra. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, I know who did that before, you know? And it's, yeah. it's cool because, yeah, um, I mean, she's really cute. Like she's like a hyper feminine in the sense she's wearing a crop top. She has a high pony, you know, she's, pink. She's, she's wearing pink and she's got like those big brown doe eyes that mm-hmm. everyone falls for. I mean, even in the, the series, like we have males – drooling over her and you know um excuse me um i don't know it's just it's it's cool because like oh yeah yeah she could fight too but like she what's cool about her style is that she like always looks like she's having fun doing it Mm. Mm -hmm. um and what's it called i feel like she's really flexible not only physically but like mentally too strategically Mm -hmm. too um Mm -hmm. And uh, her struggle, what what was it? They were on an island, the fire island. Ember. Ember Island when she talked about it. So, um, so like, yeah, like, like Justine said, she was, she was a part of like quintuplets or se- septuplets, something yeah. like that. And so that's why she like, she, she needed to find a sense of like her own identity and, um, I guess why we're saying she's one of the bad bitches is not only it's it's not really more so like oh it's because she can fight even though she's like hyper feminine it's it's that like she had the courage to step out you know and and find her own identity you know Mm -hmm. like she she like that whole thing about oh you you can't see a difference um you can't see a change if you're not doing anything different you know, mm-hmm. so like if she continued her life the way it was, she probably would have been miserable and, you know, like didn't and and miserable in the sense that she knew what she wanted, you know, but mm-hmm. she stepped up and did what she wanted to do, which was to like to be able to differentiate herself, you know, from her siblings and find her own self, which is crazy because it's like. That's that's not as easy to do, especially like oh like wasn't she like in like some kind of noble family or whatever like she yeah and so she stepped down left her family for the circus mm-hmm. like to live to live with a you know a traveling circus and so I don't know um, and the fact that who we're gonna talk about next uh, Azula <laughs> oh um, yes the, the fact that Azula like decided that you know I need her as one of my right-hand women, you know, to to go do my schemes. <laughs> but but like the the fact like you know recognizing her capability as well like despite that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um is really cool. It makes Tylee a bad bitch. Period. Period. Um, so yeah, talking about Azula. Let's go. Um clearly toxic, but <laughs> yeah. But in a um Despite her villainous uh, role in the the series, I feel like nobody can really deny how much of a bad bitch Azula is. 
in terms of like like um something i respect about azula is that she's relentless in Mm -hmm. whatever she's pursuing um whether it's the avatar or whether it's 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 her i um her idea of i I can't even words success yeah or like um she's thorough she's she's very thorough and um I don't know. She's she's a perfectionist in a way, I would say. And um, I mean, that's especially how Zuko describes her is that she's quote unquote perfect. You know, mm-hmm. um, she's very capable, independent, um, intimidating. And this is another thing is that like, oh, because a woman stands her on her own, you know, and she she gets what she wants and she makes sure she gets what she wants, you know. Um because of that, she's intimidating. I mean, also she, you know, orders people to death here and there. But you yeah. know, like <laughs> But that's another thing when it comes to like um bad bitches is oh, if you're a bad bitch, you're intimidating, you know, or like it, it's not always like the case. I, I feel like um that's like a weird stereotype too is that like oh because a woman's independent that makes her intimidating to not only males but also females and yeah. I, I feel like that's a bit like deprecating for that type of because like what about the women that want to be independent you know and strong yeah. strong willed you know like yeah. why is there that like that's I feel like another thing that makes people not want to be that um, strong willed or independent is because they don't want to be seen as that because that'll be something that um, what's it called that'll not be attractive to whatever sex they're attracted to. You know, like, yeah, like a classic example of this is um, a scenario in the workplace. If like the person who's like uh, like a, a woman boss who is assertive is labeled as a bitch whereas like um a male boss who is assertive is labeled as someone with strong leadership skills you know like there's that inherent like embodying these characteristics is deviant and it's villainized but yeah so yeah yeah thank you for elaborating on that for me because your eloquency um, (laughs) further in life period um (laughs) But yeah, basically, um, beyond her, I, I think what's really great in terms of um, not what's the name of antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. So like the antagonist of the story, she's one of the many, um, or one of the main antagonists of this of Atla. Um, despite that, I feel like she has a great character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, in what was really cool about it is that, like, you know, normally villains, antagonists in in any series um, is we don't really get to know too much about them. Um, I feel like it, especially for cartoons, I feel like cartoons more so, um, more so than, like, say, anime or, like, because um, this is considered a cartoon. It's an anime to me. I can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, so no, like normally it's uh, which is why I I feel like I mean the the whole 
serialized format of Atla and the character development is a big reason why, um, for some reason, you know, kids our age, when we were watching Atla, we were like, this is a cartoon question mark? Like, yeah. because the cartoons we were used to were not serialized. They were like one shots per episode, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we were like, what's happening? Like, this is, I don't know what this is, but it's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, so in terms of Azula, um, we learn a lot about her through Zuko um, and his experiences with her. So very reactionary. Um, mm-hmm. But then we do later on get episodes with her. And sometimes it's it's literally just her and her crew, you know, mm-hmm. um, doing doing their their evil stuff, <laughs> their evil, evil schemes. But the thing is that um, in terms of the realm of like evil and good, there's always that idea of perception, right? So mm-hmm. in her head, she believes that what she's doing in order to – you know, prolong her father's reign in the Fire Nation is good, Mm -hmm. you know, and she needs to protect that primarily because she's out to get that title as well. You know, that's her own ambition. So her own in the process of protecting her father's reign in the in the Fire Nation, it's also protecting her future reign Mm -hmm. in the Fire Nation. And Mm -hmm. so she has her own ambition and she's going to earth's end to do what it takes you know and um (laughs) though you know like they they don't have her and the avatars missions are not aligned obviously and um though she chooses not to understand his mission (laughs) of she she is you know very focused on what she believes is going to make her happy. Yeah. You know, though in, you know, the general sense, you could see that as evil. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But in the same way, in, in the, in the way that she carries herself in the way that she, you know, goes and actually does what is necessary. Like she takes the initiative Mm-hmm. to get what she wants. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's she belongs in the hall of the bad bitches for that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I think, like, kind of piggybacking off of that, too, um, it's Azula is one of those characters for me where you really forget how how old she is. But yeah. And now, like, when I was a kid, like, it was really easy to see Azula and like everybody is like full ass like grown adults but there are a lot of indicators now that I'm watching it again now that I'm older is that they really are just kids because um like what you were saying about how Azula does what she perceives is the right thing to do she perceives it as the right thing to do because that's how she was raised right you know like her parents told her that was the right thing to do and of course you trust your parents you know Mm -hmm. what I mean um and that's what made you know like she saw Zuko as like a roadblock in like the line of succession or and, like as deviant of as someone who deviated from doing what they were raised to do. Mm-hmm. And you also see that in like, um, especially kind of do- through her like downward spiral at the end, like Azula's this prodigy, you know, like, and she is not only is this, she's this bending prodigy, but she's also this like, 
she's also in an environment where people say yes to her all the time and like she gets what she wants instantaneously and because of that like to not have something that she wants and to be denied something that she desires just completely throws her for a loop and leaves her like feeling unsatisfied you know and especially towards her downward spiral at the end we can see that you know she's we can see how young she is because like it really broke my heart at the very very end where you know they finally like apprehend her and she's in distress and she's not like it's not like a scooby-doo type thing where it's like like i'm gonna catch you meddling kids in the future just you wait or whatever she's crying yeah like in distress she's like because she's not she's not getting what you what she'd been working for like this whole time right and so i she's an antagonist that you really like empathize with too like it's really sometimes in cartoons especially it's really easy to hate the villains but um i don't even see like azula as a villain like i just see her as she did bad she did horrible shit but like (laughs) um i also recognize that like when you're 14, you trust your family. Like when you're 14, you you have and you have your whole future laid out to you and nobody says no to you. You think you can have everything in the world. And when you and you're not kind of you're still a bit un um unaccustomed to how harsh the world can be. And especially mm-hmm. like since in growing up in the Fire Nation too, especially w- like watching her freaking brother get like like mutilated by their father that was such a normal thing for them because of the culture that was going on in their little bubble you know she was she was so sheltered and in like you might you might not even like see azula as sheltered because because of those like horrible things that she did and the fact that she was able to travel out uh, travel out eventually but like when it comes to the customs and the culture of that royal family in the fire nation there were a lot of things that were normalized for her that wouldn't would not fly and should not fly like in the real world uh, you know? yeah mm-hmm. I, I feel um there's also a big thing for azula is her her child trauma with her mm-hmm. mother and so like a big thing is um so what happens in the comics after she's apprehended is essentially like in terms of her psychological state, she keeps seeing her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see this a little before her down spiral or like in the midst of her down spiral in Atla mm-hmm. is when she's looking in the mirror and she keeps seeing her mother. Yeah. Um, and it's because like, I mean, she not only um, feels guilt for like what happened to her mother because she was the one that like snitched, wasn't it? Like, and she went to her brother's room that night and then was like, they took mom. Like, mm-hmm. and then he was like, what? Um, so the big thing was that like, you know, she even as like, you know, the the younger sister being able to, she's like the princess and gets to get whatever she wants. She never felt like her mother um, loved her, you know, as much as like she loves Zuko. And even, and so that's another thing, like she, she that's what she wanted but she couldn't have that and um she even shared that on ember island as a joke but like it it honestly the way she was speaking it and say and talking about it sounded really genuine even though she needs to keep up this front that she doesn't really care Mm. you know and so it's like um aside from like the guilt of like having her mom apprehended or whatever happened to her 
Um, apparently, you find out in the comics what happens to Zuko's mom, but I yeah. don't get to get that far. <laughs> um, uh, what's it called? It's it's just you know literally a kid that was deprived or like didn't feel like they were like as everyone else is telling you that you're amazing, but like you have that one parent figure that like you don't feel loved. You know, you don't feel like she said that she thought her mom believed she was a monster. Mm-hmm. And then imagine feeling that way, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, in terms of that type of like child trauma, then you kind of like a, a way to to cope is to, you know, focus on something else. And I, I believe what Azula focused on was was her becoming the fire lord, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. To, to what end? <laughs> But our our girl, like, in terms of, like, being able to, like, like I feel like something for her to overcome was was the pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, she had so much pressure, especially after Zuko got banished, you know. She was, mm-hmm. like, the the idea of, like, what the, what the, the crown family, you know, like, the royal family yeah. is supposed to be like and – is supposed to exemplify the fire nation embody the fire nation you mm-hmm. know relentless you know like not evil what's a, another word like like powerful mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah and um yeah so and i think that's like a really 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 strong example to kind of end on how you know there's so much that makes you a bad bitch not not necessarily like letting your personal talents or yes letting your personal talents like speak for themselves but also like learning things and also kind of um growing as a person and like letting your learning from your lived experiences as well um and also like recognizing that a lot of these characters had odds stacked against them and even though in not all situations they like overcame them just recognizing the odds in general like is important you know Mm. um and yeah thank you so much for exploring that and for going on this ride with us everybody um we will also we also want to know who your favorite bad bitches in avatar were we're talking like this this could be expanded to the entire outlaw universe so um please visit our social media and let us know who your baddest bitches of avatar are Yes, at Fandom Femmes on Instagram, Twitter, come through. Let's talk about it. I want to know. I want to know if you're gonna be there. Don't don't copy strike with Arl Grime. We're so sorry. (laughs) Arl Grime. This is this is for creative purposes. I know. Yes, (laughs) this is for head ass purposes only. Um, Exactly. Anywho, (laughs) thank you for. (laughs) thank you for joining us on this bad bitch on this journey of bad bitchery exactly Um, (laughs) we are out here and before we leave today let's go ahead and segue into our next segment get wrecked get wrecked so what's your recommendation for this week noelle i'm going to recommend a video game it's an indie game you can get on steam it is called omori o-m-o-r-i um it is very reminiscent if you know the game called undertale it's like a Mm -hmm. retro indie 8-bit game um whose focus is very like 
in the realm of like indie epic games, it tends to be like very story based, kind of like um, um, what's really interesting about eight bit games nowadays is that because it's retro, because eight bit used to be the norm in the eighties, mm. um, they utilize this platform to like uh, this type of genre to be like nostalgic, but also break the norms of what would normally happen in an eight bit game, like mm. um, which is really cool, like um, in terms of like the dialogue and like like using um, that the. So the one, the music's really good. Two, the story is centered around mental health. Mm-hmm. It is still an RPG, but um, in, in the sense, it's it's very story based. But like there are there is like battling, so called. But what's really interesting is that the like the the way that you battle is like you you can affect them differently based on you the emotion that you have or based mm-hmm. on the enemy's emotion. So if the enemy is mad, what's going to work against angry is if you're happy and you attack as a happy. It's, mm. it's really interesting. Or like angry beats sad, sad beats happy. Like it's like mm. rock, paper, scissors. But um, I thought that convention was really interesting and they have different skills like cert- based on like their personality. And then basically you end up learning more about – this kid that is so-called Omori, but you end up calling yourself. I don't want to spoil it, but basically um, you have these friends and um, they you explore this world and it's, it's a little dark, but essentially we learn the backstory of this main character and the, the friends and the world that they had before. Wow. And it's, it's so in-depth. Like, it's just so well written. It it makes me really happy because like like I really loved Undertale in that sense that it was like really different and then we learned more about what ha- what has happened here not by telling me what has happened here. Mm-hmm. Not like by telling me, "Oh, here's a flashback telling you everything that happened." It's like things are unfolding and you're learning things like um like slowly and sometimes through like motifs and themes and you're like, "Oh shit, like this is really cool especially if you're like you're a video game nerd like i am like like they're they they utilize a lot of things that like as people that play a lot of video games you kind of just understand certain patterns uh-huh. and so like they use these patterns in order to communicate something to you that like you can kind of foresee and like you're like oh shit like this is how this is going to unfold because of this pattern that you know i don't even know i can't even explain it because i don't want to spoil it so it's literally go play, I think, the game. <laughs> go play the game it's on steam for like about 20 bucks it's called omori o-m-o-r-i music is great the art style is is fantastic and cute but also be careful if you're scared like me but um it's kawaii but also like there's like a sense of realism when it comes to like the rawness of emotions and how um they artistically like translate that um on the screen so um, mm-hmm. it, it really makes you feel like it like um the you the, the way they use sound design and and the way like you're interacting with the game it really makes you feel the things they want you to feel which is really interesting um i basically almost cried at one point of the game wow. i'm not finished but <gasps> it's great if you want to watch me play it i stream it on my twitch <laughs> channel <laughs> twitch.tv slash no Geechee 18 and O G I T C H I 1 8. That's my stretch, my stretch, my twitch. Um, 
But yeah, go play it. It's so good. If you if you are looking for a good single player game to play um, in these times, it's a great time. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing, Noelle. I've definitely watched you play Amori, and it's very, like, it's really sweet. It's really, like, almost mesmerizing. And, like, I definitely get notes of, like, Undertale as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, as far as, like, my recommendation for the week, um, I was struggling at first, but then I just remembered I my new obsession aired yesterday. So everyone should go watch WandaVision on uh, Disney+. Plus. It's um, a new series, the first two episodes, as of, right now like the day we're recording it the first two episodes premiered and um it's really cool it follows the story of wanda maximov and vision uh from the avengers and um it's it's really cool because the first two episodes are in the style of um old tv shows like i love lucy and bewitched so like they're in black and white um but there's also this so there's this seemingly perfect like scenarios in these TV universes, but also the air that something is is not right, and like, um, it's not it's not like like everything is not as it seems, um, mm-hmm. and I I really liked it too. Um, I love like dark and edgy things, um, for lack of a better term. I like this whole thing of like perfection, um perfection but not like imperfect like like false ideas of perfection being disrupted by reality so really really drawn to that there are also a lot of easter eggs and nods to the original um comics um and stuff too so i have been deep diving on (laughs) all of those like articles and stuff as well so highly recommend you watch wandavision on disney plus i'm really excited for what's to come in the rest of the series so yeah that's my recommendation for the week yeah, WandaVision. I, I, I've been seeing that too, um, just advertised um, on social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was a movie at first. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, she got her own movie. But I'm like, oh, it's a series. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because and- honestly, when I watched Infinity War and when mm-hmm. I found out like they were together, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hello? <laughs> so I think it's cool that like, you know, they're diving deeper for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm really I'm really excited for um for what's to come in that series as well. Yeah, it's great. Um well thank you everybody for going on this ride with us. Uh we are so happy that um and an honor that as always that you've made us like a part of your day um by like listening to us and everything. Um please we hope to see you at our um event on the twenty seventh. Um, where we will be playing IG Live Pictionary. Um, Please send us your suggestions once the post comes up. And until next time, be you. Be free. And and only justice justice can bring peace. peace. Amen. We'll get it. Amen. Period. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.